You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. L.A. Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of L.A. Street Art Gallery, James Chen of Thank you for tuning into the Paint the Town Podcast. I'm James. I'm Teacher. And we're here with today with Plastic Jesus. Hi, guys. Teacher, you want to just go a little bit, talk about, you know, when did you meet Plastic Jesus? Oh, Nick? man, I've known him for so long. I, I remember um, back when there was the uh, street art blog called Marrows and Fairfax, back before, you know, Instagram and before people would put stuff before on Facebook. LA street Art Gallery. Um, Greg <laughs> Linton had uh, Marrows and Fairfax blog going is on the blogspot.com <laughs> you know way back in those times and the first time i remember seeing a piece of uh of plastic jesus's work was on the blog and uh i believe it was the uh the bomb uh it was next to uh chick-fil-a yeah yeah, and, and I was like, "This, I like this." I, no, this seriously, when cool. I saw it, I was like, "You know what? This is the next level of shit, right?" Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I hope I see more from this guy. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is not just you know a stencil or something like that, or or a paster, you know, wheat paster or something like that. There's a lot of thought involved here. There's some materials being used here that. I can't wait to see more. You know what I mean? And Dude, thanks for coming out here. Well, Welcome. thanks for the invite. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that piece was going back some time, and I'm kind of glad it, it had an effect on you and the, on, on so many people. Um, I have to say, when I when I first – I know we'll cover this later. When I first got into street art, I didn't know what to expect from people already out there doing it. I expected these kind of, you know – early to mid-twenties kind of hoodlums or yeah. this kind of real edgy <laughs> attitude now what what was it that um because you you've had several different things that you've done um but what what was it that led you to decide to do your first street piece well i'll tell you what it was i was a photojournalist and news news photographer for over 20 years so i was already involved in visual imagery in a kind of creative sense um how how far did you travel doing that i i've been to 40 45 countries I've oh. been all over the world okay, <laughs> exactly. okay. there's yeah there's photojournalists that travel california and maybe you know across states and stuff okay just to get a, a perspective here wow okay so i'm sorry go ahead you know i was one of these guys that in the back of the car in the trunk of the car i'd have a you know kit bag with three or four days worth of clothing and my passport and literally my cell phone would go off and say where are you can you get to heathrow airport we need you in you know we need you in north africa or we need you in in uh, botswana or we need you in slovakia or we need you Dude, in, that's you, like you know. secret agent <laughs> stuff right there well some of it actually was because i used to really i i think enjoy is the right word really enjoy doing investigation work which quite often meant working undercover which was like infiltrating drug smuggling gangs or people traffickers oh, and oh my god uh, okay <laughs> now <laughs> that's not dangerous at all like i mean holy okay wow I, this gives me too many questions to uh that but I love it. this is the ranger characters we had in the last episode oh. we had uh you know risky who grew up on the streets of compton and then now we, we have <laughs> Jesus. Where did you grow up in England? I grew up about 20 miles north of London in an area called, called Hertfordshire. Who's, who's been to a different type of war zone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just amazing, I think. Difference is, I kind of go there by choice. But believe me, that that kind of that mentality still survives with me. I mean, I Did you ever get shot at? Yeah, I've had a gun pulled on me a couple of times. Oh. Go! Okay! <laughs> okay! If, if, ah. if I must tell you, I was on an investigation... Um, in um, in Belgium on people smuggling and I was holed up in this van trying to get photos of people being smuggled onto these uh, curtain sided you know trailers yeah and all of a sudden the cops descending on this parking lot and they start bashing on the side of the van and I thought, oh, shit, you know we're in trouble here so first of all I didn't open the side van door and they're saying, saying come out come out come out whatever it was in Belgium or whatever you know eventually after 10 minutes I thought well better open the door so kind of open the door and the guy said put your hands up so i put my hands up and the guy said why didn't you come out i said um i thought you were a gang so these two cops that looked at each other said we are a gang (laughs) 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 
gang the, you've ever met. The, the best uh, defended gang you will ever meet. Totally. I wasn't going to argue. You know, it's one of those things where I, I thought, um, you know, if I ever have a gun pulled on me, I'm going to look the guy in the eyes. I'm going to stand there. I'm going to be complete, completely unflinching. But when you get two guns in your face, your hands are up. They, they're high enough. They can go higher. You know, you oh, can, yeah. You can change. You know, yeah. A whole different yeah. belief system, even, so, you know, a possible change of religion, even thoughts come through the mind. Oh, man. See, this is what I mean. I mean, you know, <laughs> as, as much as I've seen your art, I mean, we're going to talk about a few pieces today. Um, but, you know, just to have you here, long-form conversation, just sitting down telling us a story. I mean, you know, even of your photojournalism, I mean, you know, when you started off in street art, kind of took some pictures that uh, recreated some Banksy um, uh, pieces into pictures, right? I mean, I, I remember you doing a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I was here in L.A. I came to L.A. in 2007 as a news okay. photographer. And to be honest, I was probably the worst news photographer to come to L.A. because I don't give a fuck about <laughs> celebrity at all. So I'm here, <laughs> and I got... I love it. I've got... <laughs> <laughs> no, right I know, and I've got agencies and newspapers in the UK say, "Hey, can you go and have a look at this person and see what they're up to?" And I'm, I'm kind of having to go on TMZ and think, "Who the fuck is this person and what do they look like?" <laughs> so, so I was becoming also as as a news photographer, doing that kind of celebrity stuff is okay, provided it's balanced out by the real news, by the investigation work, by the, you know, going to whatever is Purposeful. breaking on, yeah, yeah, exactly, and exactly. whatever's breaking on CNN or the BBC or whatever, doing those stories. And those stories were becoming fewer and fewer because it doesn't sell ma newspapers or magazines. Yeah, yeah. no you one know, wants to hear about current events. No, you know, most of these magazines, even to this day, they have a list of perhaps five people and if those five people are front on the front page, they'll sell an extra ten or twenty thousand. That's how much of a what kind of that's what it comes down to. Well, yeah, well, it's, <laughs> and that's really like what it's that. down yeah. to. Yeah. So, to go back to your question, I was really yeah. looking for other ways to use my photography. So I started trying to shoot a, a creative portfolio, and I started with a picture of a friend of mine, this guy from CrossFit actually, and I got him in, in a hoodie with his low-key lighting, looking very sinister. And it was about the same time as some riots in London, where okay. you know, it was just kicking off every night. And when I was shooting that, I thought, hey, you know what would look good is to recreate Banks's flower thrub in, oh, in yeah. a, riot, a whole street full of these people yeah. throwing flowers. And that idea really kind of modified itself to just recreating that one shot of Banks's flower thrub. And I did it, and I put it on social media, and I got such an amazing response to it. I then set about doing, uh, I think, about another 10 initially. And each one I produced myself, I shot myself, and I really enjoyed the whole production process. Um, I ended up doing about 20 in total. But the one thing about it that led me to street art was I was looking at Banksy's pieces. Some of them are very kind of simple, single-color stencils. Yeah. But I was analyzing them. If Banksy had seen a photograph or a scene on the street, what would that have been that led to ah, this stencil? Right. Even down to where the light came from and where the shadow oh, was. absolutely. And the yeah. position of the viewer is the viewer at waist height, head height, above, below. And I tried to recreate these photos using that kind of mindset. Hear that, guys? This is a photographer who put a, puts a lot of thought into their pictures. They're not just snapping on their cell phone and no, putting it on no. Instagram and calling themselves a photographer. There's a whole process. There's a level of well, difference. You hear it sometimes. Believe me, you know, one degree or half a degree difference in shooting a photo can make a difference between a really impactful shot or a mediocre shot. Absolutely. And I kind of learned that. When I was on assignment as a, as a news photographer, I might be somewhere for several days, even several weeks, and I have one photo to convey that story, to convey the story, the human cost, the history, the politics. So you become very acutely tuned to what you're like. You're like looking. an illustrator, basically. Yeah, exactly. And, and I suppose before you even go to an assignment, you know the perfect picture that you want. Sure. You have this idea that if it's, if it, if it's a riot, you perhaps want a, a pretty young girl with a firebomb in her hand throwing it at cops at the other end of the... You know, this kind of stuff. You already know what that perfect picture will be. So you're almost kind of waiting for it to happen. Yeah. In fact, I've been to situations where I've been to... The, there have been civil unrest and riots and things like that, and you've seen people perhaps, you know, picking up something and lighting, setting fire to it, and you kind of think to yourself, 
oh, please don't do that because I'm going to have to photograph you doing it and your, your picture's going to be all over paper tomorrow. And sure enough, they do it, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, let's go back and... <laughs> care these days about privacy anymore i mean you, you know take my picture i'm doing something illegal it's all good i mean but let's go back and talk about um well, i really right. want to talk about banksy for a second because um teacher and i were kind of just saying that nowadays his popularity isn't as high because i guess street art the, the novelty new aspect uh, since exit through the gift shop which inspired many of us um uh you know has it's it was released in 2011 or something like that. It's was that was that um, was that any influence to you or when like getting back to when you you did your first per, your first piece on the street? What was your, your no? First piece I think on the street, my fir- my first piece on the street, I think was a smaller missile installation that you mentioned earlier. But I think my first stencil piece was Lance Armstrong connected up to an IV drip. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. Um, but that that piece was was quite simple in fact i look at it now and it's hugely over simplistic in terms of the detail on the stencil but i've since with with, conveyed, with teacher's help it conveyed perfectly well, well that's the you message. know yeah with, with all of my work uh whether it's stencil or installation because i'm doing a majority of what i do illegally i try and kind of condense it down into the least detail possible that still conveys the story you know when i first came to la i was driving around before i even ventured into street art at all and I'd be driving around, I'd see all this art all over the place, including probably some of teachers. And, <laughs> and I'd, see, I'd see some of these, you know, traditional kind of graph guys, and I'd look at it and thought, wow, that, that fucking technique's amazing. But what the hell does it say? Right, it's, it's abstract, Yeah, basically. and you can't read, I mean, it's a beautiful work on it. Yeah. The skill is tremendous. Beautiful colors, now, design. Yeah. I kind of almost come from 180 degree to that, where with me, the message is perhaps more important than yeah. the way it's it's uh, you that's, know it's that's created true graffiti okay the the the, te- the technical you know terminology and everything of graffiti is something where you're actually conveying a readable message yeah okay about- these guys that call themselves graffiti writers and graphers and stuff like that technically they are more street artists than <laughs> plastic jesus and i are yeah. we are more graffiti artists than they are Definitely. okay because when you're talking about what you were just talking about with these big fancy letters and amazing work and amazing colors and stuff like that. But even some of the guys in their own crew can't really make out what some of the letters are, whatever. (laughs) That's abstract. Okay. Yeah. And if you're and it's on the street and it's abstract, that's, that's street art. Okay. That's not graffiti. Yeah. Okay. You know, one time I saw this, you know, the letters, right. You know, somebody posted up their tag and I was like taking a little while to transcribe it. And, you know, sometimes these things, you got to really, really look at it to figure out. And then, uh, you know, after a little while, I noticed, oh, it says fart nugget. I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was like. <laughs> hey, dude, that's profound. <laughs> yeah. okay, so. What is he wanting to convey, this this fart <laughs> nugget man? <laughs> so, so I'm just saying that we, got, we always got to remember that, you know, before hip-hop, graffiti was a form of protest, you, you know. Talk about that anarchy symbol, the circle with the A right there. That is international sign of graffiti anarchy, man. Mm. You know, if you see a country with some shit going down, you'll probably see that going down. <laughs> You're quite right. It's always been a way of people on the street to convey their, yeah. their, their thoughts. Now, for me... I'm, or territory. Or yeah. territory. I remember as, as a young child driving around London, at North London, around Camden, which is a really cool area, great music scene and art. and, and, and so been there oh, Okay, it's so amazing, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> there was just, just, outside, just outside Camden, there was a big wall, and it said on it, somebody had written, I think with a paintbrush or even a paint roller, and we're, we're talking kind of late 70s here. Oh, and, late 70s. Yeah, and somebody had written, George Davis is innocent. Now, <laughs> I, I didn't know... <laughs> I'm going to Google George Davis. Dude. Immediately. Dude. <laughs> well, someone just committed a crime to try to prove his innocence, though. Well, that's kind of... Nobody... I didn't have a clue who George Davis was. Now, in fact, he it turns out he, he robbed a, a bank or something and went to jail for it. But to me, that was the first way, the first piece of of kind of propaganda type of art i suppose you'd call it yeah. that i'd ever seen and it's, it's all really, over the internet now oh, now pull it up right here <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sorry 
<laughs> That's so ironic. I just love it. <laughs> well, I think the this thing guy about is it. Innocent. I'm gonna risk my rights doing an illegal thing just so I can tell you this guy's innocent. But for me. You, you know this wasn't some edgy 22-year-old, you know, with a spray can, you know, and a bandana. This was probably his mother that went and painted this right, on the wall. That's a paintbrush. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's a spray can. Yeah. That's a, a paintbrush. Drone. Exactly. But I remember seeing that piece, you know, decades ago now. And to me, I was puzzled. And I also, it had an impact on me because I thought, well, I, I was too young to understand how law works, I suppose. And, and to me, to see that, I was thinking, well, if he's innocent, why don't his friends and family go to the cops or go to the court and tell them that he didn't do it? So to me, it then occurred to me, well, this was another way of getting propaganda, news, or an opinion out there, which I think is, is pretty clever. It's exactly, it's simple, it's ba- but it's what it does. Activism, I know that's a major theme inside uh, um, your art. I mean, again, we're talking about the, uh, the missile that... Um, this was during the Chick-fil-A time where, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, if you don't know, they're a very conservative, they make great chicken sandwiches, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, they're but... a very conservative company that, uh, you know, has a little bit of issues with the homosexuality, basically. So, I mean, one day, I remember I was driving around or walking around to Hollywood, and I was like, holy crap, there's a missile here that's kind of rainbow color or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, this, seriously, I was, this is, I always thought, you know, Street art is not just stencil. It's not just graffiti. We're talking sculpture. We're talking yarn bombing. <laughs> There's yeah. crazy stuff. So when I saw this, man, I was like, this guy, whoever it is, is going to blow the fuck up. It's know? not <laughs> often I see a piece and I go, damn, I wish I would have thought of that. Well, I, you know what I mean? You know, I take that as a great compliment because to me, I want to create people, uh, pieces that people actually, that is exactly what they yeah. think. And, and equally, is... I'm inspired when I see an artist do something. Shit, I wish I'd thought of that. And it's the same as a news photographer. <laughs> As a news photographer, yeah, I look back on work that, yeah. yeah, you know, if you go back and you think, wow, I wish, wish I'd written that riff or that piece or, or something, yeah, or as a yeah, photographer, yeah. I wish I'd shot that or come up with that idea. But I, you know, and it carries through my work now that I want Plastic Jesus wants to effectively bomb these people so they know they've been bombed without fucking it up too much. Yeah. You know, I can show these people that... You don't want foobar. You want some kind of, you know, lesson to be learned. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yes. And even, you know... Some hope. You want to leave them some hope. I remember yeah. that, that Chick-fil-A piece, and what I like to do is once I've, I've put a piece out there, I'll often go and park up somewhere out of sight and get out my old long lens, camera lenses, oh, and I'll sit there awesome. actually watching people's reaction. Yes. And what actually happened with Chick-fil-A was they were cleaning down tables. It was early in the morning, and they were cleaning down, and then one of the guys looked over and he saw this missile there and stood there scratching his head he <laughs> went probably yeah, his he head. went into the restaurant and uh, got another two guys out and then they went back and got the manager out because he's got a pair of smart you know pants on and uh, open necktie <laughs> he's got the manager name yeah exactly and the three of them are standing there scratching their head but they're scratching their head with a smile on their face and that's kind of what i want to <laughs> do oh that's the shot right there you know what i mean that's, oh, that's i mean you, you know i just love it because I'll tell you, I listen to, uh, I'm going to give this show a plug because it's my favorite show, Frosty Addy Frank in the Morning on KLOS. I mean, they have nothing to do with street art. It's just a regular morning show, you know, and their news girls is uh, reporting. Oh, street artist named Plastic Jesus, blah, 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 with the Trump wall, you know, or uh, or did the, did the Chick-fil-A piece. And I'm just thinking like, wow, this is mainstream radio. Even Banksy doesn't get talked about yeah. on mainstream radio, man. So you're, yeah. you're oh, one of one of my favorite pieces. One of my favorite pieces was the useless black box oh, in wow. Best Buy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've got. How long did it take you to make the useless little oh, black box? Oh, fuck, ten minutes. I went to Radio Shack. <laughs> it, it actually took me took me more time to print out the labels because I had to go into uh, Best Buy, steal one of their tags with their price tag things, and then <laughs> kind of copy it. But Behind that, again, it's a fun piece, but I was, as a photographer, I'd buy every fucking gadget out there. I, do you remember those HP, they called iPacks, those handheld PDAs that you used to buy? Yeah, when they came out, I had a Scion. So I'd buy all these gadgets, and you get it home, and it won't connect with Bluetooth, and it won't start, and it won't do half of what it's supposed to do. So that's what this piece was about, you know. It's, yes. new, new version's going to come out in six months' time. It won't work <laughs> when you get it home. And I actually got a, got a message from the head of marketing or PR or something from Best Buy that said that he actually loved the piece. He thought it was very good. And, and, I, got, and I got a Best Buy manager that wanted to buy one from me. So. <laughs> so. 
part to me that's just like, it's ridiculous because, okay, just in case you don't know about this particular black spot, black box piece, uh, you know, it's just a plastic black, actually the piece is called a useless plastic box 1.2. <laughs> And it literally it looks like a Best Buy display, and uh, it has a price tag of $99. There's a nice QR code. It makes everything official. And the description, it says, another gadget you won't really need. Will not, <laughs> will not work once you get home. New model in four weeks. Battery life is too short of use. <laughs> so, <laughs> teachers obviously enjoy it so much. And, you know, to me... <laughs> One of the things that I love is that so, uh, street artists are always kind of, in a sense, given a social commentary at many times, right? And, uh, it, you know, this, like, again, it's just sculpture. This is not, this is beyond sculpture. This is like a set poli- satire of, uh, you know, just regular art daily. This is modern graffiti. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know. This is a modern, another modern version of graffiti. And, and, and when you got a store manager just saying good with you win. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for saying. You know what? I, what I what I classify. I often get you know. How do you classify yourself as a graffiti artist, or street artist, or a you know, contemporary artist? What? And I really say that I, I'm still a photojournalist. It's just my medium that's changed. Yeah. Ah, I'm highlighting okay. points and issues and opinions which I want to get out there. I can't yeah. do that through writing because I'm a shit writer. Um, <laughs> Me too. So this is what I do. I have to say that the whole. Yeah, you mentioned about you know morning radio talking about the Trump yeah. war and the, the the mainstream media pickup I've got from that. That is, in some ways, kind of engineered because two things. Firstly, having been a news photographer at that time, I've got this good kind of this good kind of compass of where to go in terms of how far you can push people's sensibilities to make a piece uh, that's a good perspective to yeah have. to make if, if a piece is too edgy you know or too deep sometimes. yeah both ways yeah. It, people will switch off you know right. you, you can you can say you know perhaps fuck the banks or fuck the government and you can write it in six foot high letters on the walls but if you can do it with a piece of art perhaps a pile of credit cards on a mousetrap or you know Brilliant. something Love like this one. it sends the same message but it does it in a slightly you know subtler way so the reason I get this mainstream media is because I, I think I'm quite focused and quite good to judge how to connect with people, how oh, to man, just dug, dig that spike in to get yeah, you see what works and what gets gets attention. You yeah. see what what stories actually run and what stories don't get run. Yeah, so totally. Is that, that's why I'm just going to put it. It's like from the moment you're going to do this piece, you've already been thinking. A lot of artists, they just create. That's like another tool. Yeah, that's like yeah. having another tool. It's a very effective I, tool, man. I'm so glad that you have used it the way you have. I it's, love that. That at the inspiring. end of the day, you said I, I'm still a, a art. I mean, a photographer, and I get it now even more. Mm. You know, what I mean, because it's like you're saying you're waiting for this uh, moment to happen and getting the capturing that perfect moment. I mean. Why not set it up yourself? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm setting up that that scene in the street, which will have a certain reaction. I mean, it's not there's there's no it's not an accident that when I do you know eight foot long lines of cocaine with a hundred dollar bill coming out. That's my favorite that, piece. Just well, it's so edgy. Yeah, but it's not it, it's not an accident that the, the top of that hundred dollar bill sticking out is four and a half foot high. It's that high, so everybody can walk up to it and stick it up their nose to do a selfie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's not an accident. Form but, follows function. Yeah, but also the the logistical uh, process of actually getting my news photos out there. I do the same with my street art. I shoot them as though it's a news job. In fact, one of the early pieces I did was it was just being reported in, in mainstream media that ISIS were using child soldiers. Yeah, and yeah. so I did this piece, which was a little kid with an AK-47 oh, in yeah. one hand oh. and a teddy bear in the other. Yeah, and I stuck it down on, on Melrose at uh, there's a place that every all of us know down there next to the Wells Fargo ATM machine. Absolutely, it's a great spot. But I of, knew a lot of foot traffic. That's that's smart too. Yeah, you know, I knew that if I'd put it out there and I'd taken photos of it and I'd put it out with the caption saying. LA street artist Plastic Jesus has done a mu- another mural of a young kid, you know, with a gun. Nobody would give a shit. No. Yeah. So no. I you took, gotta know how to label it. I took photos of it and I put it out with a caption saying, "Is this the latest Banksy that mysteriously appeared on Melrose Avenue <laughs> last night?" See? Fans are flocking to the area to, yeah. to capture the piece. And I went back there about eleven o'clock in the morning, and there's like 
couple of satellite your TV link vans there, and there's people <laughs> posing up. Puppet so. master right here, puppet master. You know, I love that because I was just about to ask you. I mean, that's just great use of resources right there. <laughs> that's solid. Use. Seriously, it's just like methodical. That that's that's all. That's the word that comes to mind. I mean, th this is one of the things that I was talking to teach about around. I would say 2000. Four, 13, 14, I mean, Exit of the Gift Shop has been uh, marinated for a little while. And I'm just saying, sometimes when I would walk on the street, I would see, here see some uh, random, uh, um, not necessarily hate, but just like weird attitudes towards Banksy. You, you, you know what I mean? It's like almost like he's so mainstream now that, you know, every single street well, that's always going to happen. Anytime you have with, uh, an artist that, that gets a lot of attention and praise and everything, there's <laughs> always going to be a you know, a bastion of people who want to bring them down. Yeah. You know, yeah they're going to try yeah. to find something, anything, whatever to, to say or do. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's and just how that goes. I'm just wondering, you know, I love that, that you're not, you didn't follow the attitude of, hey, these guys are confusing my art with, you, you know what I mean? And in a sense, you're almost... Oh, you know what? <laughs> don't complain, don't, don't explain, no, right? Be, none of us here or any of your other guests can deny that Banksy probably changed... The, the whole street art scene more yeah. than anybody Anyone. else single-handedly yeah, and whether you like what he's done and you like his work or not you know you've got to admit that yeah and you know if we take something from uh, from from each artist you know in terms of you know i use some of your techniques for stenciling um you know i use uh, some of the some of the color color schemes that that, uh, that shepherd uses in his artwork so you know if you take all these pieces together then you know you can come up with your own Exactly. You know, your own voice through it all. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these people that 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 criticize Banksy, I think a lot of it is jealousy. Yeah. He, Absolutely. He still is a genius. Absolutely. I challenge anybody to find any one Banksy piece that doesn't get over a, a message succinctly, poignantly, and in such a way. You know, like Very like simple like teacher too. said earlier. You know, you see a Banksy piece. You know, Fuck, I wish I'd fooled yeah, that. Exactly, exactly. But I also love what he did with Dismaland. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. he, he didn't just he doesn't God, just do things by himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? He brought together fifty of the top artists in the world to make uh, an amazing show. Totally. And, and uh, who else would have done that? Shout out to some of the artists in that show. I mean, Angus, uh, John Doe, some of these like Damien Hurst. Yeah, some of yeah. these local guys um, that are from Bristol. And, uh, you know, I just, just thought, hey, man, here's a guy that's showing us his hometown, too, because I had never heard of Bristol, I mean, <laughs> you know, before this yeah. whole street art movement. And for it to become kind of like, hey, this is where Banksy's from, it's like, you know, uh, Snoop Dogg from Long Beach, basically, right? It's putting <laughs> it on the map, in, yeah. in a sense, for international people. So I just think it's great that, you know, we're not hating on him. I mean, in terms, of, it's like he's inspiring and you know, touch all these street artists' lives. And I just haven't heard. I've seen it on the streets. Like I said, random people who are criticized. Oh, you look too much like Black Lorette or some, some, something like that. Or King Robo is the shit or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll hear that. But but at the end of the day, those are like the art hipsters. And you know what? If they know that much, they know how awesome Banksy is. Yeah, you. they know. <laughs> if you know him, then and you're arguing about him, then guess what? You know him. Yeah. yeah, he's doing he's doing something right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Now, yeah. didn't I, did you say something about uh, you've done some stuff with music? Yeah, I. In fact, that's how I got into photography. I started playing music in my. I was probably about. I was from from an early age. I was playing musical at school, and then I got into electronic keyboards, oh, and okay. I built built a couple of synthesizers, and I'd like. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you did you built? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, now it's all coming together. Okay. <laughs> how many people? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people out there listening can build a fucking synthesizer? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't see any other hands being raised in this room or neighborhood or probably <laughs> half the fucking city. Let me tell you. Okay. Let's go back for a second. No, no, no. no hold on. He was talking about how he was yeah, the, the music thing. I'm sorry. Well, let me explain what a synthesizer is, though, because yeah. some people might not even know what a synthesizer oh, right. is. Oh, that's, right. Yeah. That's right. What am I thinking? <laughs> so, you know, classic musicians. Old man syndrome here. <laughs> classic musicians were, um, you know, playing guitars, analog instruments, right? So um, the cool thing about a synthesizer is it's literally you're tweaking knobs to create sound waves, vibrations, in a sense. So, I mean, there's a bunch of these different types that I personally use. There's digital synthesizers and there's analog ones. Uh, some common brands are like Moog, 
uh, you, you know, um, some digital ones are like silent, uh, uh, you know, d different ones. But, you know, back in the day, they literally had to build these mechanical machines and change the vibrations of the noises to create these sounds. So I'm going to let you get back real quick, just talking about how you got, what kind of uh, music were you into? I mean, um, you know, is crap work or is Yeah, you know, I, I started off kind of like in New Wave and you know, I, I started Depeche playing stuff, stuff. Yeah, the Depeche Mode, Human League, yeah. stuff like that. Then I got into the more electronic side of things, uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, uh, okay. and, and as you say, Crawford. In fact, it's incredible because Jean-Michel Jarre, I remember getting, I think his first, was it um, Oxygen was his first yeah. album and I bought it when it came out and I was listening to it and I work out all the keyboard parts. I got this little multi-track recorder at home and I recorded <laughs> wow. my, my own version of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then last year he did a gig in LA. Okay. So like, fuck it, 30 years later <laughs> in LA, yeah. I'm here listening yeah. to this guy, which That's was for so me, cool. it was fucking, you know, yeah. phenomenal. So. Anyway, I got into music and I, I was go, I was in a few bands and we'd go out and gig in and I realised that I was a keyboard player. I'd take two synthesizers and a piano with me everywhere and I'd carry a huge duffel bag just full of cables for connecting it all cool. together. Yeah. And then you'd get the singer that would carry a fucking microphone. <laughs> and it, it, you know, literally it'd take me an hour to build my gear up and break it down and then reset it up at home and I thought, oh, fuck. So, but... At the same time, I kind of got interested in, in photography as well. So I started taking my camera to gigs, and I was earning, maybe it's more of a commentary on my music, but I was actually making more money from the photography than I was from, <laughs> from, from the music. I love so, your self-deprecation. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so please continue. Photography... Uh, from the music, yeah. 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 So the, the, the you know everything kind of rolls into each other really, yeah. even That's up to art, current yeah. day. It kind of I've always been even down to building these street art installations. I remember at home in, in Hertfordshire, and you know in February I suppose there was snow and ice on the ground. It was freezing cold. You couldn't feel your fingers. But I'd be out in the family garage with no heating in it, making things out of wood, just you know knocking bits of wood together and cutting things and trying to. We call hey, that they, puttering around in the garage. Yeah. But I was like fucking seven or eight years old when I was doing that, you know. But I still love it. Yeah, I'd never be happier than I am when I'm in the studio creating. I don't call it making now, I call it fabricating because oh, I've learned a bigger okay. word, but it's the same hey. thing. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, um, I've actually done a, a couple of pieces, uh, collaborations with, with Plastic Jesus back in the day. And he is absolutely my favorite artist to work with because talk about being on time and having his part done, like to the perfect degree, like uh, absolutely. true professional. Yeah, true professional. <laughs> well, I love it. I mean, you know, I got a hand to see. I mean, I'm telling you, your name came up so fast. Oh, of course. <laughs> when Thank it came you. Out, I mean, we have you know we we've been just paying attention to street art in general, and we had to reach out to. One particular T-shirt that stuck out to me was "Stop making stupid people famous," <laughs> you know. And you've done this at the stop signs, uh, where the stop sign on the floor, the road marking paint, it says "Stop." You've added that little piece of "Make stupid people famous," and uh, I got I a little story. I got to interject here right yeah. quick. Um, we had a fun little night. <laughs> oh my gosh! So um, we collaborated on uh, this one piece actually on the street, and it was the the large words which were. What those are maybe about six feet by about They're actually eight, eight feet. feet. Those, those eight, feet eight feet high. You don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so he made it out of some billboard vinyl, and got everything all ready. And I told him, I said, "Hey, look, when you do that, I'll help you do it." You know what I mean? And so we got out there, and it was about three o'clock in the morning or so, and we're laying it out on this little back street just off of where was that? Just off it was. It was Third uh, street Hancock or? Park. It was. Uh, yeah, Hancock Park. Yeah, just off right. Wilton, somewhere around right, there. Right. Right. Yeah. And um. <laughs> right as <clears throat> we're you know kind of getting going spray painting this big big african-american gentleman um comes out of this apartment uh complex and he's kind of like uh what are you guys doing out here and LA, right? yeah this is hey, if, if i can just interject that the way we did that was you know you either do something so secretly nobody sees it or you do it so obviously everybody thinks you're supposed to be there. So right. me and Teach, I got us a couple of high-vis vests. Yes. I'd, I'd stolen a load of cones and some of these kind of triangular <laughs> balls. So we actually closed half the fucking road off. Yeah, yeah we and made it, it look as official as possible, right? 
And if a car came, we'd pop, put our hand up to stop it, yeah. check it's clear, wading through. Give a sign. Stop, slow, stop. We didn't, we didn't have a sign, but, you know, looking very official. And, and, you know, our story was, oh, we're getting this ready for a TMZ, you know, shoot, a photo shoot or something like that, you know. And, you know, he's like, okay. And, and so he goes back inside. And then right around when we were finishing up, he came back outside, you know, and he's like, you know, I don't know about this. You know, he starts asking more kind of aggressive questions and stuff. And this is weird. We were finished and we were just cleaning up. No, he wasn't a cop. He was just a big, angry African-American gentleman who, you know, was happened to be awake at a very early time of day. And um, Plastic Jesus was already in his vehicle. He was getting ready to go. And I was picking up the last couple of cones and putting them in my truck. And um, I made sure that, that, you know, that Nick was in his car safely and everything. As the guy was questioning me and everything, kind of getting more aggressive, like I thought he was going to grab a hold of me. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with the, with the defense, but I don't, this guy may, may have been able to hold on to me. You know what I mean? So um, the last thing that he said to me was, well, then who did, who, who is in charge here? I'm like, uh, that guy right over there in, in the car leaving. <laughs> the one who's just running away? Yeah, the, the guy leaving in the car right there. And then I threw the other cone in, and then I hopped in my truck, and I'm like, please don't grab me, please don't grab me, please don't grab me, please don't grab me, please don't grab me. Don't grab me. My heart's pumping out of my chest and everything. And then, you know, he did, luckily he just stood there like, oh, I want to do something. He wanted, oh, man, he wanted to grab a hold of me so bad. I mean, Whoa, but, uh, what, yeah. was his, what was his beef? <laughs> well, we'd just written Stop Making Stupid People Famous, effectively in his front yard. Basically, yeah. yeah if, he's, if he walks out of his apartment and looking down onto the street, this is what he sees. He's like, I'm stupid and I'm not famous. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Sorry, he's guys. like, are they talking to me? I'm trying to get famous. I'm not stupid, am I? They talking to me? One of my boys done punk me. Man, I'm going to call all my boys. Man, did you did you have this guy do this in front of me, man? I'm not stupid. You know I'm trying to get famous out here. He Quit fucking with me. He, he totally. He, that's probably why he was upset. He took it personally. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, okay. So seriously, I mean, I want to talk about the news lately. What, we've been talking about this uh, um, current events uh, spot that we want to do. I mean, before we get into that, as, as I, artists and musicians, you know, we you, you're supposed to um, interpret the current events totally. and, yeah. and give your impression on them. So right, right now, of course, what it, which is just yeah, the what? most ridiculous thing in the world is what's going on at the border. Yeah. And, you know, um, putting kids in cages. I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't really want to believe it until you see the cell phone footage. And then you're just like, yeah, I guess they're doing that. I guess, uh, land of the free. You know? It's, it's just, incredible and, and as teacher said you know as, as artists in whatever genre you're in you know, you've got left brain right brain i think as artists our left brain is kind of dominant yeah and i think with art that's a good thing because that drives you on an unconscious level to create art that says something we're not looking at it on an analytical basis statistical basis we're looking on an emotional basis which i think is why we do what we do Absolutely. to try and convey that opinion that emotion to people and what's gone on the last few days with you know these children in cages is just just horrendous and, and kind of unbelievable. <laughs> I've had daily messages on social media or email from people saying, "Hey, you're an artist. What are you doing about this?" But <laughs> yeah. it's See? it's it's difficult because you've got to do something that can't belittle the situation, yeah. but also you can't do something that's so graphic that people who perhaps you relatives turn them off. yeah turn them off and perhaps more importantly people who are in internment camps or concentration camps feel that it is distasteful and disrespectful to, to them, them. Exactly. so you've got to find that middle way which gets me around to what i'm working on today awesome. i think nice. says what i want to say but without yeah. being graphic and um, disrespectful well you know what here's the thing so, I, I what i'm one of the things that i want to try to do is um not just get by you know um bias opinions and, and, and messages out there when it comes to things like this, um, be, you know, to avoid turning those people, you know, who listening who may not have a decision on what they want to know or believe at this point. Um, but when it comes to something like this, this is like the most grotesque thing that I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. And this is something I don't mind, you know, saying that it's, I don't care, unbiased, biased, whatever. I don't care what party you are or whatever. You know, th well, this well, is kids. I mean, they, they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> uh, it's just a complete. But they're but, infesting. They're infesting us. 
But what concerns me on on a larger scale is the misinformation that oh, yeah. immigrants are the problem. Oh yeah. Exactly. And you know, it's it's yeah. fucking it's, it's ridiculous. You look at the statistics. You look at people killed by illegal immigrants in this country or immigrants, and you look at the number of people killed each year by blonde-haired American. You know. Yeah. You know, and, and there's just no comparison. But and you know what? Are ask, buying into this rhetoric. Ask yourself that same question: If we had like the kind of same kind of gun situation as they have in Australia and other countries, where there's like very little, if any, gun violence at all, yeah. and then. And then let's see how what kind of problem you have with the immigrants, okay? You know, like take away a lot of the dangers, and you know it's safer for everybody, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, we spend so much time being on this one team. I'm Team Trump, or I'm Team Obama, or I'm Team. Yeah, no, I'm I'm done with that. Yeah, and I want to check other instead of just looking at Fox News or just looking at CNN or MSNBC or whatever. I also look at BBC, BBC BBC.com. You know, the German, my wife is, is German, so she tells me what the German uh, websites are saying and everything, and it's just been really, really bad, really bad what they're saying about Trump and the administration, yeah. you know? So you think, like, all you, all you people out there that, you know, are still trying to support Trump and everything, and you see what you see from our media and everything, well, that's not the way we're actually coming off to other countries and the rest of the world, Okay. <laughs> you may think you're coming off a certain way, but if you really want to find out how you're coming off, you check these other media outlets, okay? Get out of your own I, echo chamber. I would, I would suggest that there's a very, very good article written by Neil Strauss, a guy who wrote the book The Game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote yeah. a piece for Rolling Stone about 18 months ago. I think it was November 2016. I think you can Google it, Neil Strauss, Rolling Stone. I think it was entitled Why We're Living in an Age of Fear. And it looked at... Uh, political propaganda and political campaigns and the rhetoric, the, the language and, and how they were actually building up their support. And they're not building up support through actual fear, they're building up support through anxiety. Uh-huh. Anxiety is very much yeah. a, an unconscious reaction. And they've found through research that people suffering from anxiety tend to go more right-wing in their political beliefs. And as they go more right-wing, they feel more anxiety. So they go for... It's a self... Antagonizing yeah. themselves. Read this, they, read this piece. It's, it's, it gives you a greater understanding. That this is why, so much sense. This is why Trump and co. are out there saying, you know, we're all going to be murdered and raped by, by immigrants He's and that you're going to lose your job. You know, the statistics don't prove it, but they're building up this anxiety. And this, this, this article is really good. It really kind of explains why, why they're doing it. Whether they're doing it consciously or unconsciously, I don't know, but it's it's done very well. Yeah, I just want to read a quote from the article that we're talking about. All these emotions, especially fear, whip people into a state of alarm, and they become angry and almost evangelical about what they believe. It's like a disease infecting millions of people around the country, and I don't know. That's so That causes well divisiveness <laughs> right there. You know what I mean? When you get people emotional, that emotional and that, that worked up, little things get blown out of proportion. Yeah. You know? And, and, and it's happened, I, I, you know, this... Uh, this uh, illegal immigrant who'd been deporting a number of times and I think went back to San Francisco, found a gun, allegedly wrapped in a T-shirt, shot somebody, I think, on the, on the pier up in San Francisco. Right. An absolutely horrific crime. The guy should not have been here, no question about that. But Trump was using this time and time again, regardless, and ignoring the multiple mass shootings by Americans in schools, in churches, in yeah. shopping malls. One small you know? example, and he's just yeah. using it to no ends. Yeah. I mean... You know, let's let's go back. I want to talk about this one piece. Stop making stupid people famous because I got to tell you. Yes, we're talking about Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think the timing wasn't planned, premeditated or anything. (laughs) Here's the main thing. I mean, when I saw that picture of Kim Kardashian and Trump in the White House and we're going to pardon this black lady and talk about prison reform. I know there was a recent piece that you put up that said Kim Kardashian pardon me only or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I put it up on L.A. Sure Gallery. I said, I shared it. I said, let's talk prison reform. Is that a wax statue of Trump and Kim Kardashian right there? You know, you know people were commenting, let's go back two years and, and, and 
and put it's something it's like something out of Saturday Night Live. Kim Kardashian in the White House next to President <laughs> Trump oh talking gosh. prison reform. I mean, you couldn't make that up. No. If Saturday Night Live no. did a sketch, it would be so unbelievable. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is just yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I'm no, switching this, this off. This but, is too far. This is too far. That, no, is, a, that is a sketch. Seriously. No one's even going to think this is possible. <laughs> but <laughs> let me just give you some background about stop making stupid people famous. I first first came up with that. I think it was 2008. I'd been in the US about a year. And there was a piece in Huffington Post about how mainstream media was becoming reality show media, how things like uh, you know, New York Times and LA Times and even Wall Street Journal were, were covering reality TV shows. And I commented on, on the piece, you know, if we want better quality media, we should stop making stupid people famous. So it wasn't actually a criticism of Kim Kardashian or Kanye or, or anybody else. It was more of a criticism of us. We are the consumer. We are buying the tabloids, watching the TV shows, logging onto the websites. So it's a criticism of us. We are creating that environment. So that's what it was telling. Yeah. I love wheat paste. I love stencil. I love murals. But I mean, you know, you'll do a stop sign. You know, I mean, you'll do a statue of Harvey Weinstein. Like, oh man, that was awesome. The uh... this is like next level stuff, man. I mean, thank you. For those of you who don't know, Plastic Jesus always, um, every year for the past how many years now? It's four or five years, I think. Four or five, five years, years now, yeah. has done his own version of um, the, Oscar. the Oscar statue. <laughs> and this uh, this past year was just awesome, as always. Um, a uh, full three-dimensional life-size uh, image of Harvey Weinstein sitting on a couch um oh my gosh i that and then, again again another one of those when uh it's a casting he, couch actually just i i <laughs> spoke to him briefly before he you know before it went out and he told me about it and there was a moment i was like <laughs> that moment you know i was like god damn it okay yeah no 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 it's a great one nick it's a great one Jeez. and we're talking well, about uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, you know, just say the, with these Oscar statues, the first year it was just after Philip Seymour C- Hoffman's oh, death, and man, I, that I, was very I did one injecting oh, yeah, injecting yeah, horror yeah, yeah. heroin. I've done another one co- snorting coke. I've done a stripper. I did Kenya's Jesus. Now I'm hoping that two things come out of this: either that next year the Academy will come to me and yeah. say, "Here, Plastic Jesus, here's fifty thousand dollars. Go and make us an alternative Oscar statue." Oh right. Or either they say. Here, Plastic Jesus, here's a couple of thousand dollars. Now, fuck off for the month and leave us alone. <laughs> Please it. stop. You know Please stop. Yeah, exactly. It's so cl- like methodical the way you put it and the, the locations you put it. We were just talking about, I mean, again, go, I want to go back because it's, we've talked about these statues. Oh, these... there was one time when he, it was actually the C- Philip Seymour Hoffman statue that a lady was trying to actually take it, right? Yeah, that. That did happen. I was, <laughs> I put it out on the Thursday, and it's the first one I did actually. So I didn't want to just leave it there and wander off. So I was parked in a, a parking lot just opposite, watching it, and come around midday, this Land Rover, nice Land Rover Discovery, turned up, and this very well dressed woman got out, walked up to it, and I thought she doesn't look like a street art fan. Mm. And I didn't recognise her as being a gallery owner. So I thought this is a bit strange. I'm mm. gonna sit back and see what she does. So she was there for a couple of minutes. She then reached around the back, and on the back was this kind of thumbscrew type thing to release the leg from from the base. So she's, I can see she's trying to undo it. So I jumped out of my car. Oh, man. I crossed the street. And while I'm crossing the street, I picked up my phone, and I took a picture of her just playing with the thing. And I said to her, excuse me, I, I represent this artist. Can I ask you what you're doing? She said, I work for the city, and we're removing it. We don't want it here. Oh, yeah, right. You work for the city. So... And I, I'm thinking, if you were, if the city wanted it removed, they'd send a couple of guys with high-vis vests in a truck just to throw it in the back. They wouldn't send somebody in a Land Rover yeah. Discovery with a, a hair done and a makeup done, <laughs> etc. So I said, well, you're not stealing it. It's, so she said, well, should we phone them? So you can phone who the fuck you like. You're not taking it. So with that, I walked up to it, unscrewed it. It was a fiberglass model, so it's light. Yeah. Picked it up, picked up the base, crossed the street, put it in the back of the van, drove off. And I thought, I couldn't work out who this woman was. Yeah. So... You know, she, as I say, she didn't look like a street art fan. She wasn't a gallery owner, from what I was aware. So I actually tweeted the photo out saying, Does anybody know who this is? She tried to steal my Oscar statue. And it's actually the next day I got a message back saying, Yeah, she works at the Academy Awards press office. So <laughs> oh, they, try, they tried to remove the I thing. 
Yeah. You know what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. It was that lady's job. She's like, okay, uh, you know, Francis, you need to call and have that thing removed. She called, and they were like, yeah, that'll be uh, tomorrow afternoon or maybe Thursday. Yeah, we'll get that. And she's like, no, now. And they're like, I'm sorry. And she was like, went down there to try to get it herself. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. One of the things, okay, I mean, you know, you have these great uh, statues and different forms of medium. I want to talk about a little bit about just your spray paint work, too. I mean, one of the pieces that really touched me is your Robin Williams piece. I mean, we've been mm-hmm. talking about mental health oh, man, and um, suicide just uh, with a lot of our guests, just because Anthony Bourdain, um, you know, Avicii, Chris Cornell, the list goes on. You, sure. know, you know, and um, the image Jason is talking about of uh, the, the plastic Jesus did is of Robin Williams, and he has uh, uh, one of these masks that it has a smile on it. And it's basically he's, he's pulling the mask away, and you actually see a, you know, Robin's face with a melancholy look on it, um, which, you know, I don't know if a lot of people don't know that he struggled with a lot of things, one of them, uh, depression, as well as the dementia. And yeah. I forget. And what uh, well, I think I put it on, um, around the corner, of Star- on Melrose, around the corner of Starbucks. I think, is it is it uh, Genesee or Spalding or something? I'm not sure. But I think that's a quite a well-known kind of drama masterpiece I think it's called Tragedy and Comedy or something right, like that right. so you've That's got these drawn two, a blank on that. two masks yes. and the idea was that the, the the tragedy was in Robin Williams' own face and the comedy mask was this mask that he could cover mask yeah. his, his depression with because I think it kind of if you think back to the time and you think back to that time before I think a lot of people could have seen that in in Robin Williams. Well, I think a lot of people that that go out their way to entertain, particularly comedians. Yeah. yeah. Often you go you go to a comedy show and this guy that's just been on stage for forty minutes making everybody piss themselves with laughing. At the end of the night he'll be at the, the bar drinking a whiskey, drowning his sorrows. You know, yeah. almost suicidal. Yeah. I Absolutely. think a lot of people pick up comedy as this mask for their own their own depression, their own yeah. you know. Their Maybe own, almost like therapy for themselves. Yeah, totally. I mean, totally. a lot of those guys uh, go on stage and kind of just. Things that they wouldn't tell their friends, they tell complete strangers. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. I mean? yeah. It's, a, it, it's a brave form of uh, performance art. That's all, that's, and, you know, I want to just talk about Robin Williams just because <laughs> the fact that, you know, somebody that you imagine in your head that's so happy, that makes so many people laugh, I mean, off himself. I mean, even for myself, I was having these fleeting thoughts of, man, like, you know. It it's not, be, it sucks even at that, at that level. Yeah, you know, well, and, I don't, I don't think the level changes because I think the same people that drive people, whether you're Avicii, you're Robin Williams, you're Anthony Bourdain yeah. or, or you're Kate Spade, something is driving you to be more, yeah. to be something greater than you are. You are not the person that's going to be happy sitting there doing a desk job for the city or, or, or the government or you know the tax office. You want to be more. Yeah. And I think even when you're at the status of these people with perhaps millions in the bank, beautiful homes, you know this enviable lifestyle, you still have this this part of you that wants to be more on some level, and I think that's what what drives these what drives these people to, you know, not drives them to depression perhaps, you know, but but constitutes yeah, or certainly um, adds to the whole as to that whole whole mix. I think it, it's quite common. I think. Well, it, you know, it, <laughs> all the great artists have uh, had all kinds of struggles, and you know that's where some of the greatest artwork comes from. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, when it comes to um, what we've been dealing with lately, um, you know, I think it's important that uh, some of the stigma that goes with the struggles that these people are dealing with is done away with. Because I think that's one of the reasons um, that uh, they possibly went down the way they went down. You know, people see in the past uh, mental depression or mental, you know, problems as being a weakness. Um, and so there's some stigma attached to it. And so that's, you know, why, uh, people like Anthony Bourdain, you know, didn't let a lot of people know what he was going through and you can't face this stuff alone. You know what I mean? You, the, it's, uh, you know, there's all different degrees of it and everything and everyone needs to figure out the best way to deal with it. Um, but, uh, you know, when, uh, when it comes to things like this, um, you know, it's it's difficult. It's tough stuff. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been quite vocal about it because, you know, I think in some level we're all affected by it. Certainly as artists, we're all affected by it. And, 
you know, three years ago, I went through probably the worst three months of my life suffering from depression and anxiety. It was triggered by something very minor. I'll tell you what it was triggered by. It was getting triggered by it. I got dumped by a gallery that weren't selling my fucking work anyway. I was selling oh. I was selling lots of work and they just weren't selling. But just this email from them just got me in this kind of psychological spiral. Yeah. And the thing that kind of got through it for me was opening up to what well, actually was first a friend opening up to me about their depression. Mm. And I then opened up to them. And although, you know, they say, I'll talk about it. It might not help you, but that in turn might help somebody else because they can then feel that they can open up to somebody about it. And, you know, we all feel it's, it's you know, as artists, we all feel we're trying to express ourselves and if we're not expressing ourselves right. I mean, you know, when you've got X amount of thousand followers on Instagram, it's very easy to read one of those feedback comments from some troll and you take it personally. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It catches you by surprise. You know, you're like, how could someone even come up with this thing to say yeah you know right? and then you kind of think shit they've written a whole load on this that you know my my art is worthless and it, i'm a piece of shit because i'm selling t-shirts and i'm just out there capitalizing it on it and and then you think fuck this is probably some 13 year old in their bedroom who's taken a 10 minute break from playing fucking Fortnite or something just to go and see who you control so i've still you know i don't often block people but I, i've just started because uh, yeah, no, oh, no, it's smart it's but, a smart but thing i to tell do. you what there, there are some people there that have come onto my social media feed and criticized a piece or criticized the political angle or opinion of a piece and instead of just posting something in retaliation to their piece i've actually gone on to to direct message and say hey look this is the this is my thoughts behind the piece. Oh, wow. this, you may not agree with it, but I think, you know, we've got... And in fact, some of these people then have come on side and there's a guy in New York who that's how I started a relationship with. And he's now bought some art from me. See? And that's we, we, we message each other every few weeks. He said, you know, I think the piece of, you know, the, your message in this piece is fucking shit, but I love the way you've done it. Right, which is great. Right. Um, you, you know so, what? It's, it's interesting because you can open different ways of, of communication, you know, because yeah. people communicate in different ways. And sometimes like some of my closest friends, I didn't get along with very well at first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then, you know, you, you, you put yourself out there, yeah. you make the effort and then all of a sudden you never know what may happen. But, but don't get me wrong. You know, if you come onto my social media feed and criticize my work, I might just say, fuck you and block you. So. <laughs> You know, well, at least you won't do like I want to do, like track him down and beat him up or something. I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm, I'm much more since the transcendental meditation has really, really helped with that. Uh, so teach peace with violence. Yeah. Well, I, hey, you know, I, I mentioned last night when we were talking to uh, to Badia, you know, that um, you know people used to, used to think I'm like this peaceful guy because I put teach peace everywhere and everything. And I'm like, well, no, you don't understand that. A lot of times, people have a mantra of things they struggle with. Yeah, you know. And so growing up military with parents that are um, technically mass murderers for the government, um, you know, it's not a good uh, combination for someone who has anger issues and has enough size and strength to kill people. You know, it's like, what do I care if I take off a few, few more people? My parents took off tens of thousands, right? So teach yeah. peace. Yeah. Teach peace. Teach peace. Almost irony. Yeah. In a <laughs> weird work. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I know you have a podcast coming up as well, right? Um, yeah, I'm just starting a podcast now, and I'm just getting a list of people. Uh, I'm going to get probably five or ten editions, episodes ready before I before I launch it. You but give us a, a little sneak peek of one, some of the guests, maybe. Yeah, I've got I've got Moby, who's a great environmentalist yeah, and a nice. vegan. I've got Abby Martin, who's a, a journalist. Abby Martin, yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah. got her. I've got. I'm hopefully getting Monica Lewinsky, and what we're talking oh about, and what we're talking about is online bullying, and and what we were awesome. talking about a moment ago, trolling, uh, and so on. I've got Eddie Donaldson, who's who else have I got? You know, so I'm, the idea is it's kind of to get people thinking. You may not agree with the opinions of people there, but I kind of like through my art. I want people to be more engaged in the world around us and opinions. Uh, you know, you're not just out there as a as a, a, a you know, make an effort to make some conversation well, I'll tell you what, dialogue, yeah, right? You know, I've got a got a British passport and it says in there that I am a subject, you know, of the Queen. Nobody's a fucking subject. <laughs> At least here, you, you know Unless you, she's talking about you, you know, and then yeah. you happen to be the subject of conversation. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, and that kind of attitude that er, we are all subjects or we you know, that let's not forget the government work for us. Yeah. We You're don't work for them. Work. Exactly. So the whole idea of everything I do and this will be, you know, extended through the podcast is to get people to question stuff, to think and engage more. 
Good. Not necessarily only street art, but just basically more on activism as a. Yeah. As, great, great. I mean, we'd love to just uh, plug it away once you get started. And, um, you know, we'd love to uh, have you on again, too, and just talk a little bit more once it gets all started. So, um, uh, is there a website you want to plug for us? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, everything goes around plasticjesus.net. Okay. There's Fine. galleries on there and. and uh, blog as well on there and stuff and that's where the podcast will be you know links to the podcast on there so that's great. that's where everything posted yeah. great and you know um again we'll, we'd love to have you on again it's great hanging out with you today and we'll coming on and uh, see you next time. dude that was a great time thanks so much thanks, man. Been fun. i haven't left my ass off that hard yet and <laughs>